This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Score, the podcast. The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians. From Santa Monica this week, this is Score the Podcast. We are inside Backyard Industries on today's show. I'm Kenny Holmes. We have Robert Kraft. Wow, Backyard Industries is about as high-tech a backyard as you could ever imagine. Yeah, not a lot of sunlight, but... (laughs) You're right. Fenced off, for a sure. A lot of blinking red lights. <laughs> and uh, our executive producer, Matt Schrader, on the Two board. Words for you. Jordan Bieber. Oh, yes, Jordan yeah. Bieber will be here later, as the rumor. There's been people on social media asking when he's going to be on the show. Yeah. Well, it's a secret. we got to be careful so the paparazzi don't go <laughs> crazy. Uh, we have a great guest today, one of my favorite guys. Oh, so excited. Uh, four-time ASCAP award-winning composer, and Variety dubbed him the billion-dollar composer. Yeah, it's almost it's almost six billion now. That was just a couple years ago, but that shows how busy Probably this guy six. has been working on these big franchises, uh, including the Despicable Me and Minions franchise, the Smurfs, Angry Birds, some of the biggest animated films. Oh, the biggest. Can I ask you a question? Hator Pereira. Thank you. That's the answer. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> And what's his name? We're going to welcome it's the him in. wonderful Hator. He also played guitar on a, a bunch of huge, huge scores, uh, working with Hans Zimmer, Gladiator, Pearl Harbor. Um, was Man on Fire, that was Harry Gregson Williams? Am I, I think correct? so, yeah. Yes, Man on Fire is Harry. And Pirates of the Caribbean, Dark Knight. Yeah, Hator. The he, Dark You Knight. also Oof. recognize Hator from Score, if you've seen it. He's featured prominently and, and one of the fan favorites of the film. He's so great in that and shows so many cool examples of how he changed up the sound. Just the the most likable guy. Yeah. I'm actually, I've heard some rumors that some, some, there may have been some meetings that took place between directors and Hator uh, who saw him in our movie, which is a really cool thing. So hopefully that's true. If not, then I'm going to be embarrassed, but. uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to ask him about that. (laughs) Should we we think about score the employment agency? Oh, (laughs) score the manpower. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, plus, we have an all-new episode of The Inside Track with Dr. Mm. Sue Lantan. We talked about the, this a little bit last week about this episode we have today called TV Tunes and Timbre, not Timber. Yep. Uh, a really cool way, the way she explains how these TV show theme songs kind of take you into the world and, and transform you into where you're about to head and... Uh, you, I mean, Matt. I, you, I can think yeah. of a couple, a couple theme songs that have really, really done that for me. I'm trying to think of one. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> this is wonderful. Legendary. Well, an accidental. This really makes me think. Who's the boss? Yeah. <laughs> There's no question. Uh, written, right. I must say, on a $100 Yamaha. Keyboard, the best per- investment ever made. Purchased probably. about there an hour go. before at the guitar. Besides uh, Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, yeah, Rugrats, right? <laughs> that was a better deal. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we're going to play Name That Score with Haytor. What's the topic today, Matt? Guitar scores. Mm. Fitting. Yep. Haytor's weapon of choice, the axe. So we'll be playing Name That Score, and uh, if someone runs the table, 
the audience could win a fabulous prize. I'm feeling confident, right. I got to tell you. Well, you know, we're tied up now, Robert. Are we? Yeah. Oh. Last I, week, you had one on me, and I won. I've so. got one question for you. Jordan, Jordan Bieber. Bieber. Thank you so much. <laughs> How does second place feel just as a, you know, a position Oh, jeez. Listen think, to this. Okay. We'll All see right. what happens. Okay. Um, just talking trash, you know. A <laughs> couple of things to discuss. Uh, Rashida Jones is going to direct a documentary about her dad, Quincy oh, Jones, a good friend of yours. That's so exciting. Yes, Quincy is a friend. I'm, I mean, what a lucky thing to say. I, I first came to L.A. and met Quincy and actually produced a couple records for his label quest and um got to know him at that point but have always known quincy as any musician does particularly in los angeles but worldwide as he is the definition of yoda he is the godfather well this could be like a mini series oh there's so much to cover tv film music his Michael Jackson producing his worldwide uh, his global ambassador work um, mm-hmm. to be a helpful in so many ways. Quincy, um, you know, there's a great book which I've read. You know, his autobiography is incredible, and he's just he he's also you know that you call somebody after that movie Zelig. When you're with Quincy, he will say. When I was with Muhammad Ali, when I was with the Beatles, when I was with Frank Sinatra, when I was with John F. Kennedy, and there's very few people that it's not name dropping. I was going to say that. That was his life. Yeah. And he was involved at huge levels with all of these people. I feel like, too, he's the one guy where... Anyone else that said I was with Muhammad Ali, it'd be like, oh my gosh, you met Muhammad Ali. But I feel like Muhammad Ali was probably like, you guys, I was with Quincy Jones. <laughs> You're so right. You're he's so one right. of those guys where, like, no matter who he's in the room with, he's the dominant force. He, he so this is. is one of the net. This is a Netflix documentary. Yep. It comes out September 21st, so we're still a few weeks away from this. But um, it's uh, actually more than a month away. I can't wait. But uh, it's gonna be. I can't really... wait. There must be tremendous footage, and, and it's look, directed by Rashida. Up, which is wonderful. It right. is beautiful. She's had some success in documentary, yep. and so yep. it's it's this is something that has a, a talented filmmaker, too, even yep. though it's, it's his daughter. And actress, right. Yep. Well, and they said that there's going to be footage of him working on The Color Purple and yep. Roots. And I'm sure that, you know, being in the world that he did all of this in, there was probably people shooting footage that's never been seen before. Right, right. We actually mention it in, uh, you know, he's part of SCORE, our movie, and um, it was wonderful to even have a chance to ask him. I mean, seminal movie scores in the heat of the night, and he um, also scored the TV show Ironsides, and so he was a real groundbreaker in many ways. And this kind of supports, we've talked about this a lot on the show and also in some of our our own private uh, conversations, but Film film composers, film scores are very much part of the mainstream now, and this is another example of a talented musician yep. who's not. I mean, he's about as as big star as you can get as a film composer, but he's not Michael Jackson still, right? You know, and but he's the focus of this this grand this huge you know documentary project now because people are interested. Well, so. there, it's weird. There's not a lot of music producers from back in the day that are known. Right. And he's one of the rare ones. Like nowadays, the, you have these DJs producing music that their their voice doesn't appear in the song, but they're getting credit for it in the public right. eye. But Quincy's one of the rare guys that 
back in the day even people were like oh this was produced by quincy jones you don't hear that a lot with older music Mm -hmm. and there are a couple interesting facts around that do you know who the number one record producer in history is jordan bieber (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny that made me laugh he's number two number one hell of a producer record producer of course there's you know a couple options people George Martin produced the Beatles and different people who is number one sold the most number of records Jimmy no um (laughs) sorry I didn't mean that (laughs) no you idiot no um how about Quincy Jones is it Quincy Jones number one Yep. The answer Most, was right in front of us. Yeah, it's funny. So he, um, and it started with his first number one record, which was, for all of you trivia <laughs> nuts out there. <laughs> trivia time. It's my party and I cry if I want wow. to. Leslie Gore. She was 13 when he heard her and recorded that song. And Robert, you make recording drops way too easy. Now, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Clip that one out, please. Oh, this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Um, so that'll be really cool. Uh, it comes out on Netflix September 21st, and really cool that he has his daughter directing it. Oh, Probably really fun project for them to work on together. Yep. Uh, in other news that came out this week, um, which has been kind of a crazy social media uh, People are storm, up in arms about this. Uh, the Oscars announced, well, they, they announced a couple of things, um, but the, the, the headline there is, there's a new category, Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film. So, of course, what does that mean? And are we talking, does that mean Fast and Furious is going to win an Oscar? Does that mean, you know, we're talking about Marvel movies, things that are typically not considered a best picture kind of thing? What does that mean? And they're kind of addressing something that goes back, I think, many years. Last time it really was a big issue was maybe with The Dark Knight when that came out. And a lot of people said... And, and, you know, this goes back to even to Jaws, because Jaws, when it came out, was a smash hit, and it was universally praised, and it did not receive a nomination for s- several categories, and people felt like it was snubbed because of its own success. Well, that's part of what they're trying to address here is criticism from people saying The Dark Knight wasn't considered one of the best films. Instead, it was such and such, some right. you know, some movie with a limited release that kind of is an art house kind of a thing. Um, now, I think that's what they're aiming at here, but it also causes some problems, and it, it fundamentally kind of changes what the value, in, in some people's minds, of what an Oscar is, because we can kind of conceptualize yeah. what that is, but we wouldn't... With all due respect to uh, to the Fast and Furious franchise, you don't think of that as Oscar films. I think that um, it opens a huge can of worms, and needless to say, it's all about follow the money. May I quote that the Oscars had a record low this year? What, of, what, of wait, what are you quoting? The New York Times. New York Times. Today's New York Times has a fantastic article on. Um, this entire issue, and it's very clear that the network that promotes and broadcasts the Oscars, ABC, was concerned about viewership. So they here was one solution, which the Academy said, "Oh, that sounds cool." What are they? And, they're, so they're it. trying to draw in the general public, who's you know the biggest movies that are being consumed by the public. They think that this might draw in a bigger audience. So this is for the telecast. Yeah. Then is what we think is because this is advertisements also gonna, go gonna, for two point eight million dollars for thirty seconds on the Oscars. They want as many people as they can, 
And they said that they're trying to beat the increasing tendency to honor niche films that the majority of Americans mm-hmm. have not seen. And that's an issue. You know, that's yeah. something they've they've struggled Well, this with. is a, another thing. Matt and I were talking about this uh, earlier today. The money that this is going to create for publicists and, and the marketing for, you know, who doesn't want to take Black Panther's marketing budget for a, an award season and push it towards another category? I mean, you're, you're, the goal is to get the movie in front of as many voters' faces as possible. So and, then you have Black Panther competing with last year's winner, Moonlight. Well, but the question yep. is, who first off, who wins the award? Is this a director award? Is this a studio award? Is this a public marketing? Is it it box office? We don't know. That I don't think that they've come out with that information yet. But in that case, if it's box office, then there's no real drama leading up to it. It's kind of you know, Incredibles two will will be in the running because it's huge. If there's any plus to this, though, one of my biggest snubs of all time, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, possibly could have won an Oscar. Could have. <laughs> maybe, maybe some comedies will get a little love there. How do you think the New York Times uh, feels about this? I can read a quote from their lead reviewer, Manola Dargis. She called this change stupid, insulting, <laughs> and pathetically desperate. Oh, okay. Yeah, but otherwise, well, that's you subtle. know. Yeah. yeah. That's well, <laughs> uh, some people, including uh, David Arnold. Uh, famous composer. Right. Now, now of, a lot of composers. and Yeah, and, they've been weighing in. David Arnold tweeted, about the Oscars thing, new award is for outstanding achievement in popular film. I don't even know what that means, but you can get an Oscar for it. Yeah. <laughs> so th- it's kind of the synopsis of yeah. what everyone's And been I think saying. the real question becomes, um, does it dilute the notion of being an Oscar winner? I mean, right. I'm a, listen, no false modesty here i'm a member of the academy i love being a voter for the academy awards i'd I like love to thank being, you i uh, thank you well you thank the little people that's what you always <laughs> do i don't know who they are but you thank them and you know it's a real privilege to be in the academy it's a real privilege to be able to vote you f- are you know asked to think hard about the quality of the performance or the director yeah. or the editing or the composer's work right. now it's like I don't know the special effects in some blockbuster movie were. I guess they were cool, well, so I'll vote for that one. Speaking of that, the other thing that they're going to start doing, they, they said that the telecast went way too long. It was a record length, oh, right. so they're cutting it to three hours, and they're going to start doing some of the awards during the commercial yeah. that they don't believe the audience cares as much about. They're probably right, and so some the people are saying, doesn't. "How do you choose that? Yeah, you know, w- would best." Original music, best score, would that be a commercial category? I don't think it. I don't think music would be, but I could see how you know. Well, they got to have the cheesy song medley and... come out with you know <laughs> Placido Flamingo comes out and sings <laughs> right. a salsa song, but um, which happened to me actually. He sang the song I wrote for the Academy oh, Awards, oh, and it was humble really brag, yeah. inappropriate. It wasn't even a humble brag; it was just a brag. Ah. Um, <laughs> The what I think happens ten years from now is we have a category for best candy at the concession stand. <laughs> and uh, this year's winner, Butterfinger. 
<laughs> it, we're going to be there. This is Butterfinger's third straight year. <laughs> <laughs> Presenting the award, now, Julia Roberts. If um, I had to make a prediction, I, I would guess they drop this category pretty quick. It might take a popular... couple of years. I'll bet they get rid of it because it's wow. just too broad. They might redefine it. They might change it. But And they used to do that with score. It used to be a dramatic or a comedic or a musical. There were different categories in the You're way right. that they would award those, and they combined some of that and changed some into there's the song category now, too. I don't but I don't think best score will end up in the commercial yeah, area. Not, not, not a chance. I mean, there's a whole award show dedicated to music with the Grammys, so I think there's enough public interest. And that's another issue that the yeah. academies have just tread into, which is they just jumped on the Grammy weekend yep. to try and shorten their awards season. So, well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how all that stuff. So unfolds. good idea, ABC. I think this is you know you really <laughs> nailed it this time. Well thought we'll out. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by the composer for many of the biggest animated films over the last ten or fifteen yeah, years. Yeah, man, those will win a popular film for yeah, sure. Yeah, Despicable Me and the Minions franchise, yep. Smurfs, Angry Birds. Uh, we're going to talk with Hator Pereira. He's a fun guy. Stick around. We will be right back. Hey, guys. Robert Kraft, and I'm inviting you to check us out on Twitter for the latest from the show. Giveaways for Name That Score. Videos. Maybe even a new track from that pop superstar, Jordan Bieber. Check out our handle on Twitter, at ScoreThePodcast. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Score the Podcast. We are inside Backyard Industries. With our guest today, Haytor Pereira, one of my favorite guys, like the the energy that Haytor puts off when we were working on score, a film music documentary, and all these Q and A's. What a cool guy! And uh, thank you for having us in your studio. Oh, Hator. my pleasure. You know, let's stay for breakfast, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, this is the breakfast set. We're doing this at six thirty a.m. And then uh, Matt, our executive producer, is here. He's going to actually be making omelets, I believe. Ooh. Yeah, I think that's part of my job duties. So. You know, you have to break a couple you grew of up. <laughs> you were born near Denver. We could Yeah, Denver Den- Denver Omelette. Denver Omelette. Yeah. 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 You know, this this whole thing about like for example, I have like dinner parties and then, you know, we are having so much fun and people just like take off. And I say like, Come on man, stay for breakfast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why we have to stop? Do you know what's you know, amazing about crazy. that? It's perfectly appropriate. Where uh you come from which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. i brazil mm-hmm. i went to rio for a project and went into a wonderful restaurant in rio with the legendary sergio mendez mm-hmm. for lunch we nice. went for lunch and not surprising to anybody i've told this story to we left around eleven thirty that night after lunch mid-afternoon tea and dinner (laughs) because everyone came to see Sergio. So we just took this corner table. We finished lunch. I thought we'd do other stuff that afternoon. We never left. And also, he likes food, man. Yeah, he does. He, he really knows food and wine. And you know, he's and really we had like, a lot of it. Right. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Hey, Tor, I want to jump in because when we did a, a, we did a Q&A event with you at mm-hmm. the Grammy Museum yes. last year, which was a so much fun. We had a great time with you. And you told a story that I kind of want to jump into a little bit, if you can maybe tell a shorter version of it, but how you got into the film music world. I think you mentioned you took a, a boat and there was something about 
coming over here with with no idea what what the end result mm-hmm. was going to be. Can right. you can you just talk to take a, a few bit? guitar classes? Right? Yeah, wasn't right. that all right. uh, all there was at that time? Yes. What's, yes. What's the what's the story there? Um, well, uh, the whole thing was I received a letter from a friend that had been already at Berkeley um, School um, for like a year or so, and that person. Uh, who now in Brazil owns music schools. He dedicated his life to education, music education and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at that time, he was still a student, and I was his student, you know, in this place in over Rio de Janeiro called Vitoria. And um, so he taught me, you know, he showed me the first Stockhausen, he showed me the first Peter Hamilton, he showed me the first, you know, you know all, all sorts of music that maybe... Um, wasn't weren't part of like the my family's kind of musical environment, so this guy sent me a letter after as I said have been uh, already in Boston for a year said I've been thinking about you and and you know this place is a great place for you to to come and study and I showed the letter to my father, and my father says, "Well, the only problem is we don't have money man mm. you know and you and so what are we gonna do and and he was amazing. He sold his his Beetle, his Volkswagen. I sold my guitar, the only guitar I had, and and I got a Lloyd's Cargo, a boat that was carrying lobsters and shoes, <laughs> and, wow. uh, to from Rio de Janeiro to New York. And I think I spent like seventeen days on the boat, and then I got to Boston to study, trying to study um, with this guy that I had heard from one of his ECM records called Mick Goodrich. And I was really hoping to study with him and, uh, you know, he was very sought after, so I had to wait a whole year. So a lot happened in that year. And, and yeah, that's how it came about, you know, like a friend reminding me that there is more to learn somewhere else. And and I just took the leap. Now your know? parents must have known, must have seen a a passion and a talent early on. My mother made a deal with the dean of my school that in the last year of high school I was allowed to bring a guitar to the school and hide <laughs> myself behind the soccer fields and don't bother anybody as long as I pass all the tests. Which mm. thank God I did, you know. So I I kept my side of the bargain, and and that was it. So at the time, unfortunately, um, studies musical studies in Brazil, um, we didn't get much to uh, study 20th century um, um, classical music. Uh, for that matter, let's say if you wanted to study Villa Lobos compositions, um, man, the classical music uh, conservatories and the schools didn't teach that. They yeah. stop at Mozart or whatever, right? Yep. Um, so, um, so the so the whole thing of leaving the country at that time it was just because my mind was already on. I mean, how you know did he write that? How did Ravel did that? How you know even for that matter regarding jazz you know how uh, John Schofield plays that how Gary Burton plays that thing what's the thing behind George Russell's and Gil Evans concept you know so I had to get out of there and 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 be helped by a lot of people actually you know uh, to was it difficult to find where to go where you could further that that exploration man I didn't have money so the, the 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 whole thing was private classes you know, as soon as I I, I start uh, meeting people at the Berkeley uh, 
lobby. <laughs> um, uh, some of those teachers um, from the school invite me to be part of their band, and then and then and that's how I kind of sometimes trade, you know, playing in somebody's band and they teaching me harmony or oh. something like this. Yeah, and and that was the beginning of my stay first time, and. In America, yeah. What was the point where you realized that you would be able to make a career? Uh, a lot of musicians never, you know, it's always really difficult. But there must have been some point. I know you mentioned when you kind of realized that film scoring was was an industry, right? Because uh, a lot of a lot of musicians think I got to figure out a way to play in an orchestra or, mm -hmm. or yeah. make my way to something like that. But um, was it was it the discovery of film scoring that that changed anything for you um look to me i feel that um with all respect film scoring it's one side of my um existence as a musician and mm -hmm. um, um i come from a musician's family in brazil so my uncles aunties they played and sung like all the classical prior to bossa nova Hmm. styles of music we call it samba canção and beautiful kind of very longing kind of music in a way and and then I end up like meeting people that liked music as much as I did and they introduced me to a lot of music so um, I think in a way um, film scoring um, came to me the same way let's say I was introduced to my first uh, gig in Brazil and I played with like Ivan Lins, is a beautiful singer songwriter mm -hmm. from Rio de Janeiro, from mm -hmm. from Rio, yeah. So that was a chapter, you know. And then I was invited to join Simply Red, and I played in Simply Red for ten years. That was a chapter, you know. And I think my current chapter now it's film music, and I'm enjoying very much. Uh, you know, I love working with the people. I think the community it's something that um, I have uh, a lot to 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 to. Uh, to learn from and, and you know the whole imagery uh, the whole idea of like attaching music to emotions and to a picture and everything I, mm -hmm. I don't know I, it fascinated me and, and, and the turning point uh, yet again was another person a key person that key person was Hans Zimmer um, so I would say like man these chapters they all have been triggered by somebody that just saw my love, my passion uh, for 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 music and all its facets, kind of thing, you know. Um, and like Hans, for example, I would never had I, I never had somebody telling me, "Hey man, put the guitar down and write your melodies for the orchestra," you know. Up to that point, including working with him as a musician or collaborator, it would be, "What can you do with the guitar here?" You know, and sometimes he, they would even orchestrate my guitar parts, playing off your strengths. Yeah, instead yeah. of pushing you in a different right. Direction. But yeah. he was the one to remind me that my strengths uh, were also in melody writing and in coloring with the orchestra, and 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 that's it. You know, it took a person um, to trigger that, and that was inside me because I had studied composition and instrumentation and orchestration back in Brazil. But, you know, it was all hidden behind, you know. So to me, um, I think to your answer, to your question, I think the answer is, man, um, yes, it's film music, yes, it's jazz, yes, it's 
all these kind of things that you know become chapters in your life. But definitely yes, and the people that trigger those things in your lives, you know. And yeah. I think one of the most wonderful things that happens to all of us is how those chapters combine. Mm-hmm. In other words, it doesn't have to be compartmentalized. Never. Oh, there was this period, and now it's this period, and it's separate. What ends up happening for all of us is if you're lucky and you live a creative life, pieces of each period come together in new and reshape in new ways so you don't have to decide, I'm just a composer, I'm just a guitarist. Right. You said something really wonderful about how Han said, put the guitar down, and... I think don't we, put the guitar down. Put the guitar down. Put the guitar oh, oh. down, so he could. And, and I think a lot of people that come from a background in pop and rock who haven't grown up writing scores for orchestras organically, but have played with bands and played as a sideman, as I know you have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really key to have someone say, "Actually, don't conceptualize from your main instrument." And I think we saw an example of that in that fabulous movie, Score, where it's very, very, as you know, obvious to us. You show us in the movie how you come up with a cue simply by playing some percussion. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, if I may quote, and there may be a copyright issue here, we may owe you a royalty on... Oh, Robert. Thank you very much. Robert. That's me singing you know, a, I, an original by Hathor. When, when editing that segment, I think I hummed that around the house for like weeks. I saw Hathor this morning in the parking lot outside this studio, and the first thing that comes to mind when I see him is... Because... And this is just an idea off the top of your head. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely how quick that's spontaneous, but it sticks. But it also, it made me wonder... My, my question has always been for anybody who creates music, particularly in 2018, do you only write on the computer, which a lot of people now do? They drag little colored squares around and they duplicate them and they lower them and raise the pitch and that becomes the way you make music. Or, in your case, you, you showed us one example of composing away from the computer. Do you say that you do one or the other more? Uh, it it depends on the scene. Oh, you know? nice! And if it's um, if it's like a kind of a, a pace, you know, like a a, um, a driven kind of you know exciting piece of music, um, then maybe I kind of lay down like a, a, a groove or, or or something that you know uh, becomes like the click. Of, nice. sort, of sorts and then I start doing things to it but you know to your point um, many times instead of starting as MIDI you know um, with the keyboard with the keyboard or with the MIDI guitar because I write a lot oh, from right. the MIDI guitar hmm. um, so I I go to the little room beside the studio here uh, I have picture a microphone and we press record, and and I do exactly what you just described there. <laughs> you you hum, you sing along. I, I sing along, or sometimes I go. Yeah, 
And is the idea that that's just the fastest way to let the ideas? Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, but but then the thing would go like. <laughs> So only after you know I've done like a couple passes like this, then I get to beat map it, and the computer now follows those mm. rhythms. And as I was doing this thing, like a drumming on, with my mouth, I was already thinking, thinking. Were you thinking orchestration? Yeah, oh, totally. Colors all the time. Can you explain to our listeners who might not know something you just mentioned? You said I get to beat map it. Bitmap in the sense of like, um, um, if you start a composition with uh, one uh, continuous uh, tempo, yeah. uh, so then the computer just kind of fall. You have to write everything based on that grid, like of 120 that tempo. beats per right. minute. But for film, in the you know, differently from pop music, uh, for the most part, um, film wants you to you know, change the tempo, like classical music, change the tempo, change the keys, you modulate, to do all sorts of things. So in order for you to be free to have your first impression or a developed impression of what you're seeing over and over and over, a scene, right, uh, you have to do it, I believe, without the um, being, you know, stuck with that grid of the 120 BPM kind of thing. Yeah, And that's where after... Uh, let's say free myself from having to do it against the click. Then I record the audio. Uh, be sometimes I play a, a, a guitar piece mm. um, uh, freely of tempo, free of tempo. Oh, nice! Uh, and then I orchestrate on top of it, and yeah, that whole thing. I can't deny that sometimes when you lock into a click in a particular tempo, and for whatever reason you get unbelievably lucky, and the edit somewhere in the further down the path of the scene either the edit or the guy kisses her or puts the knife in right jumps on into time the moment yeah. it's so you feel so lucky but there is a system for that then you know uh, what i do to um i put markers where the key moments of the scene nice appear so then even if i'm um improvising without a click I still have these visual marks where I a know streamer? The, like a streamer. Yeah, yeah, just like a MIDI region, yeah. you know. And then I'm recording the audio and following that like arrival points, you know. Um and and yeah, those things help a lot. And another thing that I do, for example, um if it's a scene that it's dialogue driven kind of thing, uh, I make the dialogue region very big. And I just choose oh, nice. the moments where there are dialogue gaps and those are the moments where maybe my melodies will Get, take hit a, a rise or something, yeah. something except more. when the when the director decides to re-edit the entire scene <laughs> right and your cue is suddenly off by just splashes water on frames. your yeah so like bit. you said except when the director edit the entire scene Ba-dum. and then except and everything underneath what you were saying was just like a long note and then it's more harmonic developed then melodically developed and then when the gaps are it's where melodically it takes a little more life and yeah that's one system you know I mean that's the whole thing about 
uh, back to your uh, question, um, um, working with a community, uh, you um, you end up learning how to see things through other people's eyes, you know. And and I think to me that's the biggest gift of having become a film composer, it's because all these people that I've worked since I started this uh, definitely have made me a better musician. And I really love the fact and want to give a shout out to the Los Angeles film music community, actually the international film music community, Mm because we certainly all have friends in London and Australia and um, Seattle. There's a really wonderful group and uh, it's just a we support each other. We, I think, hope for each other's success and learn from each other. It's really such a. It is, and it's a tight-knit group. We're, we're going to actually get to some of your collaborations and also uh, talk about some of your big animated mm-hmm. uh, successes in just a bit. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, but first, the Inside Track. The Inside Track with music psychologist Dr. Sulan Tan. Timbre is the particular quality of a sound that makes it recognizable and distinctive. It's how we can tell one musical instrument from another if they're playing the same note. Every instrument has its own timbre, and composers have a keen sense for selecting just the right instrument or mix of instruments to create the unique sound palette for each film or television show, such as the bright, clunky tones of the toy piano for the Rugrats theme by Mark Mothersbaugh. Or the throaty tenor sax for Pink Panther by Henry Mancini. The bouncy sounds of the slap bass for Seinfeld. To which composer Jonathan Wolfe added percussion sounds with his mouth. And sometimes artificial timbres are created, such as the eerie, ghostly sounds of Doctor Who. The theme was based on a composition by Ron Grainer, but the signature sound was created mainly by Delia Derbyshire, not using a theremin, but tone generators and oscillators. She was way ahead of her time in our experimentation with timbres of electronic sounds in the 1960s. Research studies show that the timbres produced by different musical instruments have emotional connotations for listeners. For instance, David Huron and colleagues asked musicians, which instruments are best able to produce a sad sound? Aside from the human voice, the cello, violin and viola were the most frequently named for sad timbres. The cello, violin, and viola are featured prominently in Michael Giacchino's soundtrack for Lost, such as in the life and death theme. So how does the timbre or sound quality of an instrument convey an emotion 
like sadness. One explanation that has been proposed is that cues that convey emotions in music are similar to acoustic cues that we recognize in speech. When someone speaks in a lower tone, softly and with less energy, and with smaller fluctuations in pitch, we sense that they may be feeling sad. Thus, instruments that can produce deeper tones and waver a bit in pitch, can play softly and produce long, sustained sounds, may be particularly effective for conveying sadness. Using the same acoustic cues we associate with sad speech. On the other hand, Huron et al. found that the banjo, xylophone, glockenspiel, and piccolo were judged to be among the least effective for producing sad timbres. For instance, the xylophone and glockenspiel both yield high-energy, bright sounds and produce tones in quick, short bursts. All acoustic qualities associated with happy speech. As we hear in the xylophone's bouncy tones running up and down in Danny Elfman's theme song for The Simpsons. And in the twinkling sounds of the glockenspiel outlining the melody. So musical sounds may convey emotions because we recognize some acoustic parallels with expressions of human emotion, such as in speech. Similarly, a few research studies have found that individuals with music training are more accurate at detecting emotions conveyed in speech. Composers don't just create memorable themes. They choose just the right instruments to create that distinctive sonic signature for a show that calls us to the screen from wherever we are in the house and puts us in the right mood and frame of mind to be immersed in another world. Dr. Sulan Tan is a leading researcher in the study of film music and the author of many books, including her latest, Psychology of Music, From Sound to Significance, available now at score-movie.com slash podcast. Welcome back to Backyard Industries. We're with our guest, award-winning composer and hell of a guy, Heitor Pereira. Hey, how do you say backyard in Portuguese? Uh, oh. I see. Quintal. <laughs> quintal? Quintal. That was like the biggest curveball question you've ever asked. Yeah. Right? Tudo bem. Tudo bem, yeah, quintal. He wasn't ready for that. Quintal, I like that. I just <laughs> wondered if there was like a Brazilian name for the studio. You, yeah, you, you, would, to... you would be like uh, Quintal Studios. Quintal Studios. You told us real quick before we started here, um, and we weren't rolling yet, the origin of that name, Backyard Industries. What? Why do you... This doesn't look like a backyard where we I are. I know, here. I know. I stayed and it's I decided to keep backyard. it. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, at, you know, when I really started a long time ago, we, we used to rent a house that had a beautiful backyard, and I always preferred to write music in the backyard than in the room inside the house. So, you know... And people in my house would say, like, oh, there you go to the studio. You know, and, <laughs> and, and I would take the guitar or whatever instrument and play there and put a little micro, uh, 
a little tape recorder and kind of come up with ideas in the backyard. So I realized, you know what, man? You know, like when people say, and I do say that all the time too, you know, you come up with your best ideas in the shower, which for me happens a lot. For me, the backyard is also like a, a big one. This couldn't you be know? more opposite than a backyard. Do you still go outside to write? Or think about music? Man, you know, uh, I have kind of the, uh, a very reduced version of what this is in my house. And and luckily, you know, and I'm so blessed uh, to say um, um, we have a house with an amazing backyard. And and I will never forget, man, I was, um, I invited the director for the Minions, uh, Pierre, to come with his family for uh, afternoon, you know, uh, Sunday afternoon in my house, and he was playing with his kids, you know, and rolling in the, in the backyard and everything, you know, on the ground and um, uh, with the kids. And at some point, they, they were so happy, and I was so happy to see them happy because we had worked so hard in, the, in that movie. And he said, hey, Tua, man, tell me, you know, you probably write music here in this backyard like the whole time. And and I look at him and said, "Shit, man! You know what? I never wrote a melody here, you know, in this new house." And he says, "So the Minions movie doesn't have a backyard melody?" And I said, oh. "And I said, no, not that movie, man, not our not movie." Yet. And then he said, "You know, look how back to the idea of what I was saying about like yes is the about people." He said. Um, you know, the gift of meeting new people and them becoming like new inspiration for your music and what you love. So he said, you're going to promise me that the next movie that we do together, you're going to point out the cues that you've written in this backyard, which I did. <laughs> oh, and then we did nice. Despicable Me 3 and we came back to that backyard and I showed you. <laughs> you know, yeah, I wrote that new theme here. I wrote that, 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 that. You know, so it took somebody... Uh, that knew me only from being inside this room without windows to come to my house and uh, show to me that, you know, there is a lot of music in that backyard and justify the word backyard back to your thing. So, you know. That's deep. Yeah, the backyard it's also, industry. It's a really yeah. lovely parallel to Han saying, put down the guitar, because it, what it really is is sometimes it takes one person next to us to say something really obvious about exactly right. where we are. We're right in this place and we're doing something a certain way and someone says, why don't you just, you know, you live in this beautiful backyard, why don't you write a melody here? Draw well, a little inspiration from right. this deck. Right, <laughs> right, right. It, it, totally, man, totally. Um, so speaking of Despicable Me, mm -hmm. that was probably your your first really huge huge film am i wrong in saying that in terms of like um in terms of like uh, yeah in terms of as a like, composer maybe yeah i had done um scores before to animated movies um or non animated that you know maybe i took even more work than the speaker with me let's mm -hmm. say uh, i my first animated movie was with jack johnson uh Curious George, mm -hmm. right. and that was like crazy, man. You know, like that was maybe like my my first. That was definitely my first animated movie, mm. and I knew nothing about it, and 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 I wrote like this whole thing, and then I took it to England for the orchestra to play, and everything was first time, you know. So were was, you scared? No, I'm I'm never scared, man. Good. I don't know. I, I I don't know. It's like I actually, the more complicated. 
you know, the projects be, are, the more concentrated and more joy I kind of take out of it because, um, um, because I think, again, back to the community thing, you know, it, when people enter this door of the backyard studios, I don't believe ever that anybody that enters here wants me to fail. So, um, so I just... I just have the vibe that when people come here, it's just to reinforce what they expect from me. So I work hard to confirm that they are right. <laughs> I love so, that. And, 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 and so that was the first thing. And then um, I did uh, maybe like I think a, a movie that I'm really proud of uh, called Beverly Hills Chihuahua with yeah. uh, Raja Gosnell. But that movie, man, it had serious orchestral, I mean, enormous orchestral material so um, when Despicable Me came after this, these two examples that I've given you um, Pharrell it's more of a minimalist musician you know he finds his groove he puts a bass line he sings on top and that's it <laughs> so um, you know for the most part obviously um, so for me to uh, emphasize that when he wasn't in the movie when he wasn't singing a song or something, I couldn't just all of a sudden come with like an orchestration like enormous because it would be just a disparity. Doesn't fit stylistically. the vibe, yeah. yeah. So then uh, I had to kind of um, readdress this whole concept of how can I make an, a, a pop orchestra? And, and I got into it like big time. You know, quite frankly, I would imagine like... like uh, with the given the right, um, uh, uh, let's say proportions, so I'm not like any one of those, but I'm, I, I need to mention because it's, uh, time passes. Um, uh, Lalo Schifrin, um, uh, Henry Mancini, to me, those are pop composers, you know, like people that found um, simple lines with sophistication and brought the orchestral sound to it you know, and made it feel so natural. So to me, when I worked with Pharrell on the first Despicable Me, uh, the idea was like, how can I keep the orchestra, you know, pop and true to uh, Pharrell's uh, songs so I can call myself a collaborator. And when I write my melodies to go around, you know, the melodies that he brought from his songs, uh, they were in two different worlds. So, so I think it's called adaptation. Oh, big big so difference nice. from working with Pharrell to Jack Johnson? Big difference? Yeah. No, man. They both love music like crazy. Um, they are very collaborative, um, um, very, very easy to deal with. So it was just a, a pleasure. You and I worked on a film together. Yes. I think it's worth at least mentioning that I've had the experience of seeing you do something which, in addition to the incredible musicality, you did something during that movie which I really appreciated, admire, the movie? Can and you? can't do. Well, the movie was called, at that point, The Moon and the Sun. The Moon and the Sun. When I was hired to produce the music, it was called The Moon and the Sun. I think it has since been retitled the king and his daughter or the king's daughter and the score is not there I think yeah. whoever took the movie um, 
changed everything. Right. Whatever. So. so the you know this happens. Needless to say, in movie making, this was an independent film. It was made. We worked on it. We finished it. And whoever financed it, and I'm not sure exactly what the story is, wanted to recut everything and change it and move it and all that. However, first of all, it was a wonderful experience, regardless of whatever happened. I loved working on it. Loved working with Hator. Loved shooting this movie. It was all really fun. The most remarkable part of it, though, was Hator was in a situation with a movie and a director and a producer that wasn't ideal. We'll just say that mm-hmm. things weren't working. They didn't agree. And I never saw you lose anything but optimism for figuring it out. And mm-hmm. I always wonder, is there a secret when things aren't working for a composer to saying, this is cool. I got this because I usually drive home thinking, oh, man, this is a disaster. And I get all, you know, I'm the guy driving on the 405 thinking, okay, my career ended. This movie's (laughs) over. You never lost optimism during this movie, which was really in trouble. How do you do that? How do I do that, man? I mean, um, I think to me, to me, um, um, <laughs> Look, he's shaking his head. Yeah, I I, I tell you what it is. Um, sometimes maybe if I if I grab a guitar, I could answer you better. Okay, in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like this. It's like this. Um, um, there are many emotions that don't have names or titles. And one of the things that I really love about now being part of this world of film music is that I get to express some of these emotions, name, nameless emotions, you know. So then I believe that everybody have those. and But I'm the only musician, so to speak, in the room um, that my job is to make that materialize. So then, to me, if... If I have people that even are disagreeing, and I believe that music is a language, then um, I kind of feel that the language is so vast that there must be a way of representing even that conflict, you know, and and musically, and serving the movie in a way that this is just part of the experience in itself Mm. so the conflict between maybe the director and the producer that don't agree you know instead of like creating like havoc as people using the world the words and language and english you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i i rather say and demonstrate with time um that maybe it is part of this film particular film making Mm. this conflict in itself and it's most likely is in the screen as well and it, it is in the story because these people have been disagreeing from the beginning yes <laughs> <laughs> um, you know so, but music just because you can grab so many things that uh, are at first unexplainable but they feel natural when they sound like music. I find that these people that have been disagreeing for so long, they like the same thing when the music comes. 
you know. So I'm, I strive for that, you know, as long as, quite frankly, no bullshit, if in the end this is doing a service to the storytelling, yeah. you know. But I believe that all this humanity behind, you know, the making of a project, you know, it's in the screen. This in the story. This is, this is what I meant about the energy that Haytor brings. Yes, it's so it's true. It's like even if the worst things are happening, you you have this positivity and outlook at at stuff that. Well, that's interesting. Finding I a way to up kind on. of harness some of that frustration that must be there if you're having a conversation. But then, the, that idea of bringing out a musical, you know, nature of that. Well, yeah. and also also music therapy, music. As therapy. I love that. Because sometimes, you know, um, a producer or a director or a, f a studio person um, had a horrible day. <laughs> and my meeting, and I'm just about to play 20 cues for them that took me two weeks to write. Um, you know, um, and I'm seeing that before I press play in the first of the 20 cues, you know, those people, they are really tense. You know, so with time, I've learned that um, maybe um, um, I can use the moment in my studio and the setting and just to help them to cool down. It's almost like giving like a, a little like a musical uh, tea. <laughs> nice. <laughs> tea. Musicality. Yeah, <laughs> musicality. And and you know maybe sometimes I, I I grab a seat on the piano and show guys look look what I found the sound blah blah blah. Warm them up a little bit. Yeah, or take them or take them from that world that has been so kind of um, you know like conflicting for them the whole day. You know they cannot bring their energy in. It's not good for what they are just about to do, which is like decide. You know, 20 minutes of music in their film, not with that vibe. You know, so um, so then I try to just like cool people a little bit and 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 use music itself because I believe that music is therapy. You know, it, it music cures. You know, we know you know the mole the molecular structures. You know, the molecular you know factors and you know, they come through your body. And man, it's 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 science. You know? actually, you've actually described the um, something we used to say at the studio when somebody was inappropriately. I don't like this, and I'm angry. And somebody once taught me it's not about what it's about. You know, it's not about the music they don't like or the sound of the song. They're angry because they just came out of a meeting with somebody who said you don't have enough money to finish this movie or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I read recently what that's called, and now I'm going to use this going forward it's called a fundamental attribution error in other words you're telling someone yeah. i don't like this i don't like this but they're actually it's not the source of it one of the things that's yeah, nice they're attributing is to, it to a wrong source right so it's 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 a skill to be able to say, I don't know if you're mad you at the queue. you got to clean that slate of right. theirs and then, and then exactly. present what a you want to present. A palate cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, don't forget, man. Uh, sorry for interrupting you, but don't forget, if people decide to work in this industry, they love it. They love film. They love what m makes a film a complete film. Yeah. So there is photography. There is storytelling. There is music. There is a, so... Um, it's just because you know that day you were inundated with everything that it's not that. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. Yeah. 
two words for you. Jordan Bieber. Well, Jordan <laughs> Bieber is a very essential He's part. He's always doing that <laughs> false attribution. What was it called again? I, it's real. It takes me a minute. It's a fundamental, Fundaben- fundamental attribution error, yeah. which is the fancy psychological way of saying it's not about what it's about. When someone comes in and says, I'm so angry at you, and you say, I've done nothing. Why would that be? You find out that the meeting they had before they saw you, somebody... That's the cause of the frustration. Right. <laughs> yeah. And well, so, now that we have our palates cleansed, yes. we've had our musicality, maybe, uh-huh. maybe we should hear <laughs> Nice. Some. I think that's a new brand. Yeah. Musicality. You guys want to... Is this the start of something big? Oh, Shark Tank? Oh, musicality. You'll hear an ad for that uh, pretty soon here. It's actually brought to you by we musicality. All, we already have our theme song. I think I'll have a musicality Please. now. <laughs> I think I'll have a musicality. Robert, Boom. you know that Matt's already cut, clipping this drop right oh, now. Man, the guys are crazy. That's good. <laughs> it's All right. for breakfast. So. It's well, mellow. During the break, Hator uh-huh. got a little worried. Yes. Always. About the game. Which game? Which game is that? Name, Name that, that score. Oh, Let's do man. it. man. Come on, man. Get ready to play Name That Score! The film music game where a perfect score means you, yes you, could be a winner. Now let's play Name That Score! <laughs> hey, Tor's panicking. I'm panicking. Look. Because it's hard to be the audience, winner. Audience, my friends. <laughs> no. Give me a cheat sheet. <laughs> Listen, you, you have the audience Shit. riled up out there. There they are. Ooh. So, oh, my uh, God. Big, big crowd. So Little they know how little I know about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone says. We'll oh, see. Man. So the way this works, I'm we bad. play five famous What is our topic? Scores. I don't even it's, know. It's guitar film scores. Oh, guitar film scores. Guitar Great. film scores. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. In can, fact, can maybe... I stop? Can I stop right there? <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting fact of life, uh-huh. right? Um, I told you, well, first. Guitar is my first instrument. Yes. Um, and then, blah, 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 uh, now I'm really committed to uh, MIDI guitar and writing all this orchestral, heavy orchestral music from the guitar because I studied orchestration from Berlioz. Berlioz was a guitar player. So mm-hmm. when you when you see his uh, orchestration treaty, you know, you hear and you see a lot of things that were derived from somebody sitting with a guitar, mm-hmm. like Villa Lobos too, you know. And for that matter, Manuel de Fire and some other Leo Brower, some of these composers, oh, yeah. right? Great. Okay, but my point is, you're gonna play like these things that probably <laughs> no, I don't know any of it, man. And I've never been asked to do a guitar score. Not is that yet. fucked up or what? Starting today. <laughs> it's messed up. You know? It's so, <laughs> I hope these studio heads are listening. Yeah. Yes. No, they're... no, one second. What my point <laughs> is, my point is, probably you're going to know why. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good feeling you're going to nail it. Oh, well, can I name one that maybe if you guys didn't, uh, can I start one zero in case sure. one of the we'll five give you, is not could there? Be a quarter Spot point. Okay, let yeah. me go straight. Dear Hunter. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, ah! Michael Cimino, Stanley Myers, Stanley Myers, composer. John Williams, the soloist. Yep. One of the best guitar scores ever. 
And I think we need to, uh, you didn't have the visual, but it's John Williams, the guitarist. The guitarist, the British. Right, British yeah. guitarist. I didn't realize that. Well, um, let's see. Let's one see. zero. Now I can mess it up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so, so just quickly to, to, so that Hator knows how to play. We have five famous film score clips, clips from these, but they're reversed. So it might be something recognizable. <laughs> He's even cringing more now. But it's not going to be as recognizable. Kenny's in the reverse. restroom. <laughs> Robert, Kenny, and He's Hator. He's on Google. Now we're going to give you three multiple choice answers on each question, so you'll you can at least guess from those. The last question that we give of those five is worth double. And if anybody gets all of the questions right, we give away a prize on our Twitter account at Score the Podcast. Just mention hashtag name that. My score first answer is Deer enter. Hunter. <laughs> well, I don't think you're going to get a point for that one okay. if that's your first. But if you, hey, stick with it if you want. All right, so here's the first oh question. God. Our options here are, so you know what to listen for, Dr. No, Monty Norman, and uh, John Barry, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Ennio Morricone, or Iron Man, Ramin Jawadi. Javadi. Javadi. <laughs> <laughs> John Barry. Whoa. Hator is pretty confident. John Barry. So, uh, now, Robert, usually, Hator, you'll get a sense of this because Robert will be watching your reaction. I'm going reaction. with Hator's answer. <laughs> He'll go with your answer. He's he's going to try to piggyback off of uh, whatever you say. So, Kenny. I'm, yeah, it's 007. Yeah. See, you didn't even need that one. Yeah, no, no, but that one, I need just one note. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Hey, so you go first, and I will score. probably say whatever you say. Score. All right. So everyone uh, has one point. We're going to question two. The options here are these get a little tougher now. Bad Boys, 1995. Ooh. Mark Mancina. Did you work on that? I didn't know. Oh, you. I, you, I did. I wrote a couple songs. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, background We're about to play music. One. Right. Background music. Uh, Armageddon, 1998. Trevor Rabin. And Gladiator, 2000. Hans Zimmer, and maybe a little Hator Pereira in there. That's Gladiators. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. Uh, Robert, definitely going Gladiator. <laughs> Hator, let me give you let me give you a tip here. Save your answer, yeah. or Robert's just going to cheat. I, mean, I feel strongly face. as we need the poker. I face. feel strongly as Gladiator. Go. No, you got to go right out in front. I think it's strong, a strong initial response. Based on Hator's performance, I'm going Gladiator. That's me playing. The beautiful guitar. I never I tell, knew it was I you. I tell you one thing. I have a story about this. Hans had said, "Hey man, I want to write a score that it's a guitar concerto." So he he brought the guitar. You know, he he brought the music, and I said, "Man, even if I had like twenty freaking fingers, you know, I wouldn't be able to play because you know there are more notes than one guitar can handle." Yeah. And but but then I said. What if we go with this idea and we do a guitar orchestra instead of a guitar concerto, right? Like one guitar and the orchestra. Man, and we got carried away. So nowadays... How many? He, oh, man, I think I put like 10 guitars. But when they, nowadays when he performs this stuff live, he needs four guys to play. <laughs> <laughs> You're costing him money. Like, Damn, hey, Tor. You gotta buy three more guitar players for the session. All right, so this means... 
Everybody gets points for that. Everyone. Oh, so then the idea is that, so sorry, you see Brazilian, my, my bad English, I shouldn't call straight away. No, I think you should. I should? No, 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 you should. Yeah. Robert's, Robert's trying to game the system here, so uh, okay. hold so it in. John, John Powell, it. actually, his strategy was to fake his answer, get oh, Robert yeah. to pick one, and then change it after. A very, very John Powell move. Yeah. Oh, five pounds of cheese. Totally. Sounds like five pounds of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he thought of the theme song. <laughs> All right, so moving on to question three. Here we go. Uh, these are options here are, uh, <laughs> hey, George, crack it up. <laughs> oh, my God. Only John. All right, so we're moving to uh, question three. Uh, is this from Shaft, 1971, Isaac Hayes? Uh, lethal oh, Weapon. Oh, yeah. 1987, Michael Kamen. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 1989. God, I hope it's one or two because I could probably David call Newman. it. So I'm going to speak for a moment and go first. I I'm feeling, I'm feeling Lethal Weapon because it's it's Eric Clapton as a guitar player. Came and got Clapton to play and Sanborn to play alto, and it feels oh god it could be Shaft, but I'm going to go Lethal Weaponing. I don't think it's Shaft. I don't think it's Shaft. Okay. But I wait. Let's make Kenny go first. I, yeah. I'm going to go Lethal Weapon, <laughs> but it. <laughs> uh, what was the third option you said? Our, our three options are Shaft, Shaft Lethal Weapon, Lethal and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It doesn't sound Bill and Ted's y, if so that's a word. Kenny's going, what are you going with? I'm going to go with Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. And Hator? You want to hear it again? Yes, please. I hear a little like backwards saxophone in there. Yeah, it is. It's the sax just showed up. It's that Sanborn, and it's also Clapton. Even backwards sounds like <laughs> Eric, but watch, we'll be wrong. But I, I'm pretty sure it's. Wait, was it Right. <laughs> is everybody? Everybody's locked in for lethal yeah. weapon. Yes. Oh, thank God. Let's hear that wailing guitar. Robert, have you ever done an air guitar competition? I haven't. Good. <laughs> but I did co-write a score with Michael Kamen, and you hear very distinct Kamen language there, including his Kurzweil. That he yeah. was in every right. cue. He was a beast. Yeah. All right, so uh, oh everybody's Amazing. three for three. This is not bad. We got two questions left. No tiebreaker this time, so we got to go for a... Someone's got to go for the win on these. We got two questions left. Question four. Is this music from uh, 2004's Friday Night Lights, Explosions in the Sky, Brokeback Mountain, 2005, uh, Gustavo San... Uh, Santo uh, I always mess this up. Or Inception. Hans Zimmer. Robert's raising his hand. Kenny's raising his hand. <laughs> Hector is not raising his hand. You want to hear it again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know how they say boys 
uh, always raise their hand really <clears throat> actively in fourth grade and shake it. That's what I'm doing. It's <laughs> explosions in the sky Friday yep. night lights. Robert's very calm. And Kenny's confident too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going Everybody's going with this. This is a pretty good and a pretty cool movie score if you think yeah. about it. Just, oh, yeah. Even though, you know, it's a band that some of that stuff they had developed before, but it works so well very, in the movie, Very, very uh, interesting and smart choice of the producers to get them to take a piece of theirs and make it a s- score. That's the thing about also, you know, uh, back to your first question, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> man, that I love about film music. It's because, you know, out of our orchestral thing, you can jump into this, yeah. you know, and 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 breathe like an and emotion it and it works. You know, if you were making a record, people would say like, are you crazy? Give me a style. When in reality, the style is a much bigger thing than... I actually you know, have here, strangely enough, yeah. today's nope. New York Newspaper Times. coming out. And there's an article. It's can't, so can't hear you, Robert. In today's New York Times, there's an article called A Love Scene Transformed by a Great Song. And it talks about how a song inadvertently lays oh, yeah. against a scene and gives it new meaning. And I sort of what you're saying, sometimes you can just take, you know, for this was an explosions in the sky yep. piece that they made into film music. Oh, it totally More changes the More importantly, we're all tied up right now, undefeated. <laughs> oh, well, that's going to end because I'm going to rock okay. your world let's see, let's see. with the last one. <laughs> Hit me. Wow, all right, well. You know, because sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes you scare off your competition just by, like, at a poker table. You yeah. just look really This is confident. like the stare down right yeah. now. Yeah. So go ahead, hit me. All right, question. We need good, the bad, and the that ugly plan. No, My old, answer yeah. is we have the, deer no, that hunter. Was... <laughs> go ahead. Uh, all right, so question five. Is this music from Crash, 2004, Howard Shore? Ooh, good mm-hmm. movie. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, 2004, John Bryan, Ooh, same movie. year. <laughs> or Tron Legacy? 2010, Ooh, Daft Punk, and Joe Trapanese. Really hard. Oh, man. Okay. I have my answer already. I have no Answers? idea. Answers? What were the, the options again? Our options here are Crash, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Tron Legacy. Robert has no idea, so he goes first. <laughs> go ahead. You start. I'm going to go into the 50-50 of either Crash or the other one, John Bryan. <laughs> the other one. Because I don't feel Tron-esque. Eternal Sunshine for me. Daft Punk. I'm going to go Eternal Sunshine because it was so strong that somebody's faking me out and I was going to sandbag and come back. <laughs> All right. Crash, Eternal Sunshine, and Tron. Kenny and Robert both going with Eternal Sunshine. Just to, in case, you know, there is a winner in case I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I'm I'm proud to be. Uh, I'm going to go with Tron. With Tron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with Crash. <laughs> really? So we've all... So everyone's going to win. Everyone's picking a different answer? Yes. yes. All right. We do have a winner. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> The winner is. Let that drum roll play. <laughs> it's a long drum roll. Kenny Holmes. Wow. I don't even remember why you reeled me in. <laughs> 
Kenny changed his mind last minute yes. went with Crash. Crash, yes. I suckered you into that, Robert. <laughs> Sandbag. Completely sandbag. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. That was man. a that was a that was a good round of uh, name hey, that Tor, score. That's I'm a good s- score. I'm sorry. Man. Nah, it's okay. I'm you and me both. You and, <laughs> you and me both. We just kind of. But can I can I can ask he you cheats something? Anyway, he well, just somehow. I was just about to raise an issue here. Are the five questions always the same? So you guys already know the answers. <laughs> Every week it's the same. <laughs> Guitar scores. <laughs> and Robert still missed the last one. <laughs> and I was so confident, too. Uh, Didn't really work. All right. So we have, I have one other question I wanted to ask you about, hey, Tor. Uh, the um, We heard a rumor, and I don't know if this is true, because oh you hear God. stuff after. Clear up this rumor after for us. After movies come out. Our, you know, our score it. came out, the documentary came out, and, uh, and we started to hear from people oh this person this director thinks this is a cool movie or whatever have you heard any feedback from any people you've worked with have has anyone seen you in that movie and mentioned anything to you about it you guys you guys uh you know because look let me tell you something i get stuck into this room here or the backyard, which is not the backyard, right? Right, Quintal. Um, in the fence. Quintal, exactly. And, and I, hardly, I hardly meet people other than the people that I'm working with. Sure. You know, and even then, it's just like every three weeks or something. So I'm kind of a freaking hermit on this Quintal, right, in this um, backyard. So um, um, I, I think since that, uh, movie documentary. So many people said, you know, came to me, and even my agent told me, "Hey, man, people want to have uh, meetings with you because, you know, they want to know <laughs> a right? little bit. Yeah, they want to know a little bit more about you and in, in the way you <clears throat> you work, and they want to come and visit your studio, you know, because they saw you, you know, playing that stuff. So to me, uh, it it just did like wonders in the sense that." Man, got me out of the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. That's really great. Well, yeah, take, uh, how totally. do we divide fifteen percent? Is it evenly? Yeah. <laughs> kind of a five, five, and five. Plus, in this episode, I believe we've come up with a new, incredibly commercial venture: mm. yeah. musicality. Uh huh. Yeah. Which flavors? We could have like a right. kind of organic musicality. I mean. And That's not which a herbs and we could have a lot of herbs. You could really go deep on that. Samba, maybe? yeah, samba yeah. musicality. And we already have our theme song. Yeah, can you do it one more time for us? We're going to drink some musicality now. <clears throat> We're going to have some musicality. Uh-uh. <laughs> or that's who's the T? Who's the T? That's who's the boss. All right. Oh, man, that's cool. That's really cool, though. No, so You know, also, uh, another thing is um, um, because I do have, you know, this, like maybe other composers, I think not maybe, I know for certain they do, they have like this internship programs where kids come and stay three months with us. And, right, right. And I, get, and I get very serious about it because, man, it's not about just serving coffee so i make sure that we have a list of things that by the end by the time they live here they have to check that they've done it mm-hmm. you know be like a um, little curriculum musical yeah, things yeah also like technical things like conforming conforming um new picture you know uh uh inside 
our sequences. You know, That's great. Oh, uh, great. You've written, you know, let's say I say, um, okay, I've written this piece of music and, and, um, and now picture has changed in five times inside that thing. You know, can you go there and cut it? And so this is one of the things that I like part of our daily lives as composers, mm-hmm. right? The deconstruction and the salvation of music too, you know? How you recover, you know, the music that was behind it and now it's all kind of teared apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, you know, we made a better movie, so you better adapt. So this is just one of, like, the many things that are part of, like, these uh, items that people come and learn or at least confirm that they've done it. So I believe that, you know, the score, the documentary, and, and the movie, I think for all those young, you know, uh, composers, it, it showed also, like, you know, uh, what's the reality behind and, and the, the dreams and the frustrations of people that, you know, maybe in a beginner's mind or vision, you know, this people now with like more established careers have it all but man you are as good as the last key you've written mm-hmm. you know and that's it yeah you know so to me it was a good thing to show people that uh, you need to continuously work hard you know yeah. and, and and you show that in different ways by interviewing each individual you know and showing how things go I think that's a good way to wrap up this episode with one of our stars of the movie score and and who by the way was a rock star at our premiere signing all those taking the pictures Uh, yeah what a a treat to be with you today Hator guys fantastic thank you so much fantastic to share in the hang backyard studios Uh, I want to remind our listeners to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform also be sure to follow us at score the podcast on Twitter and be sure to use that hashtag name that score because I ran the table this week, so we're giving away a prize oh, on right. social media. I just like to pat yeah. myself on the back. Yeah, man. It's Matt Schrader, Kenny Holmes, I'm Robert Kraft. Thanks so much. Guys, girls, keep at it. Film music is liberating. It's the best you could choose to do with your life. Go for it. Love that. We'll see you next week. <laughs>